You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Welcome to episode 49 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today is a fun episode because I am going to be talking to you about the different plants, the different herbs and plants that you can grow in your garden to make your own tea. Now, as I said at the end of the last episode, technically these would be considered tisanes or infusions, not tea, but Just for the sake of simplicity, we're going to be calling them tea in this episode. So that's what we're going to be covering today. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now you might be wondering, why bother saying technically these are tisanes or infusions and not tea? Well, that's because there are a lot of tea enthusiasts out there who would love, love, love to point out that Technically, unless it's made from a plant of the Camellia sinensis variety, it's not really tea. So black tea, green tea, white tea, oolong tea, those are all varieties of Camellia sinensis. And, you know, there's there's just a lot of people who take tea very, very seriously. So I just do want to acknowledge that um, before we move on to talking about different things that you might want to grow in your garden to make your own herbal teas. Honestly, to me, there's nothing better sometimes than a hot cup of tea. There's actually scientific evidence that just like holding a mug of hot liquid, whether it's tea or coffee or hot cocoa, can actually like cheer you up. And I'm sure you've felt this on a day where it's like cold or gross outside and, you know, you kind of wrap your hands around a mug and it just mm, makes you feel cozy, makes you feel happy. And I really, when I'm having a bad day, when I have some cheering up I need to do, honestly, a nice cup of tea is just one of the best things. So what's better than the idea of kind of growing things in my own garden that I can make my own tea out of? And the nice thing is that a lot of these plants that you grow have a lot of other different benefits. But before we get into talking about each plant and their own specific benefits, let's talk about the benefits of of growing a tea herb garden in general. So One, when you steep fresh herbs, you're able to better take advantage of all the vitamins and nutrients they have to offer. So commercially sold teas are are dried, right, to keep them shelf stable. Totally understandable. But during the drying process, some of the herbs lose their nutrient value. They can still be powerful. They're just not quite as potent, not quite as aromatic. Two, when you grow your own herbs and flowers in a tea garden, Just like when you grow your own fruits and vegetables, you can control, you know, where your herbs come from, you know, what goes on them in terms of like pesticides and herbicides, because a lot of commercial tea producers do use pesticides to protect their crops. Three, you can create your own blends of tea that you can't find anywhere else. So 
Maybe you like the benefits that, say, chamomile provides. It's calming. It's a little bit of a sedative. But you're maybe not, like, big on the taste of it, just straight-up chamomile tea. I'm personally not the biggest fan of just plain chamomile tea. If you grow other things, if you have your own tea garden, you can add your own lemon verbena or lemon balm to give it kind of like a little bit of a a zing to it that kind of wakes it up, livens it up a little bit, makes it a little bit more palatable. And then finally, lots of herbs that you can grow in a tea herb garden have culinary uses or pest control uses as well. So they're kind of multifaceted and it really kind of helps you start to understand why so many people, you know, back in the day used to grow a lot of these things in their vegetable garden alongside their kind of food producing plants. Now, some things to keep in mind before you go throwing everything into your teacup, just like everything else, herbs are best used in moderation. In fact, there are some herbs out there when taken in large amounts, just like with any kind of food or for prolonged periods that can cause, honestly, stomach irritation and other kind of not so great feelings. There are also a few herbs that are best avoided if you're pregnant or nursing, and I am definitely going to note which of those um, that's the case for when I get to talking about individual plants. This isn't necessarily something that you need to be worried about. Honestly, you'll find these same reminders on commercially sold herbal teas, so don't worry. It's just best to practice common sense, and if you're especially pregnant or nursing, do your research before kind of plucking anything out of the garden and and throwing it into an herbal infusion and consuming it. So what should you plant if you're wanting to start a tea herb garden? Number one, like I just mentioned a moment ago, would be chamomile. It is such a cute little flower, and it has been known for a really, really long time for its natural sedative properties. You can infuse the flowers into just boiled water to help with restlessness during sleep or just difficulty falling asleep in general. Like I said, I am not the biggest fan of the taste of chamomile. It tastes a little sort of grassy or like the smell of hay to me. And so I like to add a little something extra to it, whether it's lemon verbena or lemon balm, like I mentioned, or peppermint. And that is my very next plant that I would recommend is peppermint. Growing that in your garden, just like eating a peppermint candy after a meal, Peppermint tea is really, really good to help aid digestion and ease kind of the discomfort that can come along with indigestion, like stomach upset, bloating, that kind of thing. Peppermint tea can also help soothe inflamed sinuses if you have, say, like a cold or allergies or something like that. Little tip though, peppermint, like all members of the mint family, will spread like crazy if you give them the chance. So it's best to grow peppermint in a pot. Now, there are different varieties of mint. You can grow spearmint, peppermint, just there's lots of different kinds. I personally find peppermint to be, I would say, the most bracing, the most sort of aroma out of it when I use it in teas. So that is what I would recommend. But if spearmint or something like that is all you can find, those often will give you the same benefits as peppermint in a tea. 
Next up would be lemon verbena. And this plant's leaves have a sharp lemon scent that is honestly so refreshing. I absolutely love it. You won't just find it in teas. You'll also find it in like hand soaps and lotions and things like too. It's just has such a nice bright clean scent you can infuse the leaves to make a warm drink to help digestive discomfort but it also makes a really really nice cold tea in the summer and i have tried mixing it with like just regular iced tea in the summer and it's a really it's like adding lemon to your iced tea calendula so the flower is what you use if you're making this into an herbal infusion to drink. And it's something that you can use to aid digestion, to soothe a sore throat. Some people claim that you can also use it to soothe menstrual cramps and even detoxify the liver by promoting bile production. Kind of a helpful thing if you overdo it on the adult beverages every once in a while. I'm totally not judging. That's me every once in a while. Calendula is something that is best avoided while pregnant. So earlier when I mentioned that some herbs, you know, shouldn't be ingested while pregnant or nursing, this is one of those. So it's perfectly fine to use calendula in a topical application. Let's say if you made calendula infused oil and you turned it into a moisturizer or just rub that oil on your skin, perfectly fine. But ingesting it, putting into your body, that is something completely different. And that's something that's not advised if you're pregnant or nursing. Lemon balm. Lemon balm is another one of those things that is just you pick it and you smell it and you just cannot believe how lemon scented it is for something that's just like green and looks like mint. It is related to mint. And so again, helpful tip, just like mint, lemon balm will spread. So grow it in a container. I like to use lemon balm fresh. If I have way too much of it at the end of the season and I need to harvest it and dry it, I totally will. But I, if I'm going to turn it into an infusion and drink it, I like to pick it and infuse it fresh. It just doesn't have the same aroma, the same strength when it's been dried. I also, I mentioned adult beverages earlier, I also love to use lemon balm in cocktails, especially gin and tonics. So sneaky, sneaky, I know, but being realistic here, I do love my cocktails and it's it's really good in just about any honestly citrusy cocktail that you enjoy. Lavender. So lots of people already use lavender to soothe skin conditions or they use it in aromatherapy to kind of calm themselves down. But lavender can also be soothing when taken as an herbal infusion. You can infuse the flowers into a tea to help calm nerves and soothe headaches. It's really, really good in iced lemonade as well. You'll want to harvest the flowers just before the buds open. That's when they're going to be their most potent. And another helpful tip would be to be careful with how much you use as far as like how much lavender you put in your beverage. You're going to want to start small because otherwise it's really, really easy. Lavender is one of those things that is so commonly used in cosmetics that if you put too much of it in your tea, it's going to end up tasting a little bit like soap, like you're eating or drinking soap, and that's not all that pleasant. So we just want a little bit of that lavender flavor, not an overload. 
Next up is fennel. So fennel comes in two different varieties. It comes in sort of an herb type and then a bulb type. And either one, honestly, can be used in teas. Fennel tea is great for helping with digestion and lots of other digestion issues like bloating, constipation, as fun as that is to think about and talk about. It's true. It happens. And a lot of sources honestly cite that fennel tea is excellent for detoxifying the liver by, again, encouraging bile production. Bile just kind of like helps sort of excise and helps the body rid itself, helps the liver sort of process any toxins that have built up in there. I will say no matter which type, whether you're using the herb type, which produces the seeds, or the bulb type, which is more vegetative in its growth habit, both kinds have a very black licorice flavor. So if you're not a fan of that flavor profile, if you don't like star anise and things like that, you might want to skip growing fennel in your tea garden or just in your vegetable garden in general. Next up is Monarda, which is also known as bee balm. And I talked a little bit about bee balm in the last episode when it comes to best flowers for a vegetable garden. I often infuse fresh Monarda leaves in just boiled water to soothe things like cramps and bloating related to PMS. It's also really, really great for soothing a sore throat because it's loaded with thymol, um, which is a powerful antioxidant that you will also find in the herb thyme. That's kind of like what it's named after. So Monarda spreads like crazy. Again, spreads through roots underground and you As a result, you're going to want to keep it relegated to a container, just like you would mint, any kind of mint or lemon balm. And Monarda is another one of those things that is best avoided while pregnant or nursing, but especially pregnant. So anything, any herb that is said to help with menstrual symptoms, a lot of sources will say that it can cause uterine contractions. And so that's a lot of the reason why you want to avoid those things while pregnant. Next up would be catnip. First off, Lots of people confuse catnip and cat mint. While they're not the same plant, they are very closely related. Both are members of the Nepeta genus. Both can be grown in a tea garden and both help soothe digestive troubles and nerves. So a little helpful tip when it comes to catnip is it's catnip that your feline friends are going to go especially crazy for. So if you would rather keep cat traffic to a minimum in your garden, you'll maybe want to plant the less attractive to cats anyway, cat mint instead. I honestly find cat mint is a little bit prettier than catnip. Cat mint flowers are kind of like this lovely purple color Catnip flowers are white and it's a little bit more, let's say, weedy looking, while catmint is a little bit more floral looking. Both very pretty, just in different ways. Next up is lemongrass. I absolutely love growing lemongrass for a couple different reasons. So I do use it in some recipes. So anything, any recipe that would have like coconut milk and it has kind of like a South Asian flavor profile or an Indian flavor profile, lemongrass is absolutely beautiful in any recipe like that. But I also absolutely love growing lemongrass for tea. It's a tropical grass, so it does take a while to grow in areas with cooler springs, and it does need a long, humid summer. 
I found that my lemongrass is happy in a pot where it gets morning sun and then afternoon shade, but kind of still lots of ambient light. So I keep it on the balcony outside of our bedroom. It's really good for digestive discomfort, especially, and it's really, really mild. It's so mild that a lot of cultures use it to treat children. One helpful tip would be once you harvest, don't throw the plant out because any grass, just like the grass in your yard, will grow back. Just be sure to keep it inside over the winter if needed if you live in an area where you have really cold, freezing winters because, again, it's tropical in origin. And finally, rosemary. You may not think of it this way, but you can put rosemary in a tea. Did you ever notice how rosemary seems to go really well with like fatty cuts of beef or duck or lamb? That's because rosemary helps us digest fatty acids and provides us with a lot of digestive comfort. So if you've already had dinner and you've got a really full stomach and you didn't happen to throw a handful of rosemary into your recipe, um, it's really easy to just add some fresh rosemary to some just boiled water to soothe an upset stomach and help with digestion. It's absolutely wonderful for that purpose. And again, I'm sure you've noticed a lot of these things I've mentioned are great for digestive discomfort. So you can throw a lot of different things together and just kind of decide, you know, what flavor combinations you'd like. As far as dosage goes, I do about, I would say, three to four tablespoons of fresh herbs in an herbal preparation per eight ounces of boiled water. When I'm using dried herbs, I do more like two tablespoons because if you've ever dried herbs, you know that they kind of like shrink up as they dry. So there's a lot more in terms of nutrients and vitamins there than it looks like once they've dried. So three to four tablespoons of fresh herbs and then two tablespoons of dried herbs is typically what I do per eight ounces of water. But again, it is really good to before consuming any herb for the purposes of, of soothing any sort of discomfort or imbalance, that you do a little bit of research, make sure that it's not related to any sort of plant that you happen to have an allergy to, make sure it's not contraindicated for any sort of medical condition that you have, like high blood pressure or pregnancy or anything like that. So always, always, always want to use good sense before we try any sort of herbal preparation or herbal infusion. So that is it for today. And in the next episode, I'm really excited because I'm going to kind of go back to practical growing advice for food producing plants. And I'm going to be talking about how to grow beans. So this is going to be everything from green beans to dried beans. And it's going to be just a lot of little helpful tips that I had to learn through the years when it came to growing beans. Beans are incredibly easy to grow, but there's just a few tips and tricks that you need to know to do it the most successfully. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. But until then, happy gardening, everybody. Happy almost summer. I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.